Welcome to Strategies for Turbulent Times with your hosts, Matthew Werner and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, here to help you stare down adversity, adapt, improvise, and overcome the challenges you are facing in your own life. Now, here are Dr. Kathy and Captain Matthew. Well, welcome everybody to today's show. We are going to have a very interesting show with somebody who is Within the public safety realm, in a whole other area, we're going to be talking to a firefighter, paramedic, SWAT, and battalion chief, and I call this show Above the Line because in all of my work throughout the years, whether it's in finance or in uh, the media, you know, individuals who are considered above the line are people who guide and influence the direction, process, and voice of a given narrative in, in their uh, field of endeavor. And Dustin Conkle is one of those people who I really consider above the line. He is an influencer for sure in his industry. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, Dustin, but before I do that, Matthew... How are you doing today? It's Friday. Of course I'm doing well. We got AC this Friday. It's nice. But uh, yeah, looking forward to the weekend and looking forward to this uh, this episode or this next hour uh, chatting with Dustin and learning some of his uh, insight and skills and uh, tactics that he's uh, learned as far as leadership and uh, his experiences. Super. Well, you know, let me um, share a couple things about um, how I met Dustin. And he may not remember this story, or he may get a giggle out of it, but when I was teaching at the South Florida Public Safety Leadership Academy, shout out to all of our students in 2017, uh, hope you're listening, and uh, so I'm, I'm in front of the group, and we have about 25 students in the class, and it's a five-day program. And for those of you who know me, you know I am not a morning person. And so being at an academy by 7.30 to be online by 8 a.m. is a struggle for me. I, I have bad genes. It's an, it's an anomaly. <laughs> I have really bad genes. <laughs> and uh, many of you know that uh, So this, this past year it was, you know, uh, breast cancer. In 2017, um, I had a serious um, issue going on in my lungs. And so I'm trying to teach this class. And so I'm now on day three, it's Wednesday. I'm in front of the class. I have a high temperature. Uh, I'm very congested and, you know, trying to look normal. And in the middle of our break, Dustin, who is sitting in about the second or third row in the middle of the class, um, comes up to me and he says, hey, Doc, he said, can I just take a look at you real quick? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> what do you mean? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm a paramedic and, you know, I, I, uh, I just want to just take a look at you. And so he, you know, kind of checks my temp and takes my pulse and he says, um, you know what, I think we need to go down to uh, the, uh, the local ER over, over lunch. And he's like, I just want to get you checked out. And I'm, I'm thinking ER. And he's like, don't worry. I know all the people at these urgent cares. And, um, you know, we'll get you in and out over lunch. Well, let me tell you something, folks. This man knows his stuff because 
I not only had to go to the urgent care, they kept me at urgent care. They allowed Dustin to take me, because he is a paramedic, in his truck versus waiting for an ambulance to go to the major hospital that was closer to the urgent care where I spent three days in an intensive care unit. I cannot make this stuff up, people. Like, this is the God's honest truth. And the only person I knew in this area at the time in South Florida was the assistant chief of police who got stuck babysitting me with Dustin for three days in the hospital. So I'm sorry, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just say this. Dustin Conkle is a 19-year veteran firefighter and paramedic turned visionary leader for one of the largest populated cities in South Florida. Having received special commendations and named Fireman of the Year in 2015, Dustin currently serves as a battalion chief. In 2013, his vision for a SWAT medic program became a reality when he developed and implemented the very first program of its kind. As the SWAT medic team leader and instructor, he manages all aspects of the medical uh, programs that serve police officers and citizens, providing immediate medical care, as you can see, even in class, <laughs> and during high-risk operations such as hostage rescue, barricaded subjects, and activist ambulance situations. I want you all to join us today as Dustin reveals tactics and strategies serving as a firefighter and SWAT medic. And my savior, Dustin, welcome to the show. <laughs> well, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, that was uh, quite the intro. <laughs> Much more than deserved, but stuff. thank you. <laughs> do you remember that episode? Uh, I do. I do, because, um, you know, I just remember how surreal it was as everything was starting to go down. And I'm like, man, this is just, this just does not look good. But, uh, you know, I remember that, you know, we connected so early on and, um, you know, we had so many talks and there was so much dialogue between us before and after class, uh, you know, kind of leading up to that point. So, you know, when I saw it, I'm like, this, this is not right. We got to do something about this. This is, you know, and, you know, having kind of developed that rapport with you too, uh, made me understand and realize just, you know, how stubborn you are. <laughs> so I, I, I knew that it was going to take, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, forceful uh, coercion to get you to go. But, you know, listen, ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, everything worked out, right? It, it did. And just to close out on that story before we get into your story, for those who are listening who know how stubborn I am, on the third day I'm laying in the hospital bed after the doctor comes in to tell me, that they're not ready to release me. And they wanted me to stay for some more tests. And I literally, I said, okay, that's fine. Thank you very much. And when the doctor left, I literally got up. I put on my clothes. I called the assistant chief of police. I said, I'm out of here. I need an extraction. <laughs> and he literally <laughs> had no idea that I had not been released by the hospital that I was leaving against their wishes. And I got home that night on a plane as fast as I could. So don't listen, it's out in public now, but you know, between us people, I'm not telling you the name of the hospital. I walked out. 
<laughs> oh, man. I know. That's one way to start an episode. I know it is, but this is true. This is real life. So we'd like to start the show uh, with a question about who's influenced you and your career. So let's kick that off. Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, throughout uh, your life, anybody's life, right, you have um, all these different stages and phases that you go through. And I think through each one, right, um, you have different influencers, right? So, you know, early on for me, obviously early on in my life, um, it was always my parents. Um, you know, my parents have been married for, uh, I think they just hit their 46th year of marriage. Um, and, you know, yeah, I mean, amazing, right? Cause you don't really see it much anymore. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, that's something that always, you, you know, you strive for and, you know, specifically my dad, you know, just uh, his work ethic and his, you know, instilling the the family values and, and that family lifestyle, um, you know, early on was something that I looked at and I was like, you know, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I want to have, you know, as I grow up. Right. So early on, you know, he was, you know, him, my parents, you know, were were those big influencers um, for me. And then. You know, as I got on the job um, and, you know, I was 21 and, you know, I had just left playing college football. Um, I was in, you know, the top shape of my life. You know, I felt like I was invincible, as probably most 21-year-olds do. Um, and I was cocky. There was no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, as I started into my career... Um, I started developing, you know, some friendships and I started um, having, you know, additional people see, you know, potential in me and really kind of helped influence me in my career. Um, and, you know, arguably some of these guys um, and, you know, I'll throw some names out there uh, who um, not only influenced me, but now have become, you know, my counterparts in, in the position that I'm in. Right. But guys like, uh, Michael Peros and David Gaines, who are both battalion chiefs with me. Um, you know, these guys have helped influence my career and set me on the path of success that I've been able to achieve. So, you know, each step, each phase, there's been somebody along that line that has kind of helped, uh, influence me and, and kind of send me down the right path. Well, I know that when I was teaching that class and, uh, and I was teaching it with the assistant chief of police, Neil Vaughn at the time, and I know that uh, he was a big, big fan of yours. And there were quite a few people in the class from uh, the agency that you were working with, um, the police department agency that you were supporting, and, and just rave reviews about who you are. And, and you know, since you and I met, uh, I think another influencer – um, that, that I have met is Dave Hamill. And, uh, I, I believe he is, you know, still in a, a position of influencing others, um, in a, as a firefighter in a leadership, uh, uh, I guess capacity now. And, um, I, I take it you two are still, are still friends. 
Yeah, I just talked to Dave the other day, and, you know, yeah, he's another great one that, you know, Dave was my supervisor uh, for several years. We ran the same crew together, um, and, you know, he was my captain uh, when I was just a fireman for several years, and uh, we kind of traveled the city together um, for a few years. And, you know, Dave Hamill was another guy that, you know, along with the other two, right, Dave Hamill also retired from us as a battalion chief. Um, and, you know, he was a guy that was revered by many, um, a guy that could do anything. Uh, he was very smart. He was very good at his job. Um, and there was nothing that you could throw at Dave, um, whether it was, you know, construction, whether it was, you know, how are we going to do this with tactics? Um, you know, he treated his people right. Um, he believed in his people and, you know, he was another one. And, um, you know, I still, you know, Dave and I keep in contact now. He's doing great, right? He's still in that leadership role. Um, and, and really helping to influence, you know, at the very young level, at the entry level for, you know, some of the firemen that are trying to get hired on now. Super. Yeah. Well, he, he was courageous enough to come to a course that Matt and I taught on emotional intelligence, and he's actually one of our certified providers of emotional intelligence assessments. So shout out to, to Dave for bringing us all together. Well, I tell you, Dustin, thank you uh, for sharing it. It's great to have you on uh, the show here, and uh, what an impressive resume. Um, I tell you, it's uh, a lot of stuff that we like to chat about and talk and, and pick the brains of experts like yourself is, you know, the importance of mentorship, you know, not just leadership, but also mentorship, and what does that look like? Now, you mentioned a few of the uh, the individuals that you have uh, been been uh, been in contact with, you know, and, and, and have learned from, would you mind sharing with the, with us in the audience, what, what do you consider the top three attributes of these uh, gentlemen and these leaders that have mentored you throughout the years? Well, I mean, you know, I think one of the biggest ones is, you know, consistency, right? When you, when you look at, um, when you look at anybody that's a, that, you would consider a great leader um, or mentor, you know, I think somebody that is consistent in the way that they, um, that they perform um, somebody who's consistent in, in what they expect is such a huge part, right? <clears throat> so consistency for me, you know, not showing favoritism um, and, you know, treating everybody you know, essentially equally, uh, but not really having too many highs and lows, but just being that consistent uh, figure, I think is so important, right? Um, and that's something that, you know, I've tried to adopt, you know, in my own leadership and, and mentorship style is to just make sure that I'm being consistent um, with everybody that I have to deal with or that has to deal with me on a regular basis, you know? So I think that's one um, you know, obviously the standards, you know, the, the integrity um, and and just being fair, right, with, with all your individuals. Um, and, you know, another one is, I guess, if it's an attribute, I don't know how you'd put it, but, you know, more of like the, the family, um, you know, the brotherhood and kind of really 
um, accepting that as, as part of, you know, your leadership model, if you will, um, I think is really important because, you know, going back to, you know, my parents being the early influencers, right. And having, um, that family style atmosphere, uh, being so important to us, that's kind of something that, you know, I always kind of clung to and that I tried to bring to work, you know, we're with the same people every three days, every third day, you know, for 24 hours, you are living with them, you are eating with them, you know, you are sleeping next to them, uh, essentially for 24 hours a day. Um, and that's every third day. So for me, you know, I, I want to treat those guys. They're, they're like my family. That's my, that's my home away from home. Right. And, um, so the guys that I looked at, and, you know, they had those same kind of attributes, right? They treated us like family. Um, as my, as my direct supervisors, they had no problem, right? It was, you know, it's almost like being a child. You come in, you know, you screw something up and, you know, you get your hand smacked, you get yelled at, but then later on at the end of the day, they bring you into the office, they sit you down, you know, and they say, Hey, listen, what happened, happened, right? What do we need to do to fix it? What do we need to do to make sure that this doesn't happen again, right? Make you understand, you know, what you did wrong and, and how we're going to, you know, kind of set expectations to not do it again. And then it, it was always leave with, a, leave with a hug. Hey, buddy, I love you. You're doing a good job. Let's not let this happen again. So I think that was like another big attribute that I just kind of really wanted to take on for myself. Well, we're going to, we're going to have to take a pause right there. So just uh, hold that thought, uh, Dustin, that that's a powerful one because we always shout out to our audience. You know, we love you. We want to show you the love. And so with that hug, we're going to go to a break. You're listening to strategies for turbulent times. We'll be back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X.com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you 
balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Um, this has been a great conversation with our special guest, uh, Dustin, Dustin Conkle. Um, before we left for this uh, break, we were talking about the key attributes for the uh, mentors that he's had throughout his uh, successful 19-year career. Um, as we uh, go into the next uh, conversation, Dustin, um, you know, looking at your career, and you've had quite the amazing career, um, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of uh, a lot of ugliness, but a lot of goodness. Um, and sometimes with that ugliness, we get derailed. Um, and trying to figure out what's going on with our uh, careers, but also uh, just, you know, how to overcome and adapt with what's put in front of us, especially yourself as a paramedic. You never know exactly what's going to come up. Um, Can you share with us, um, you know, looking at your career, can you share some defining moments in the line of duty um, where you've learned a hard lesson that made you a better version of yourself? Yeah, so, you know, for me... um, you know, there's lots of little situations that I've run into throughout my career, um, you know, that I've handled maybe not the best. Um, and so, you know, you try to learn a little bit, you know, how can I do better here? How can I do better there? Um, but I think one of the biggest things for myself was not necessarily a single call or a single incident, but more so just my own uh, tactics for leadership as I continue to move up the ranks and, and learn um, and realizing that, you know, I didn't necessarily have all of the uh, leadership knowledge um, or tactics when, you know, dealing with uh, some of the uh, subordinates that I was dealing with at the time. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in people being uh, born as natural leaders, but I'm also a huge believer. Um, and I'd like to think somewhat of a, of a small success in people being able to learn and improve those leadership, um, strategies and tactics, you know, through education and through practice. Right. Um, one of the big things in a fire service we talk about on, on the medical side of things is that, you know, you practice medicine because it's not always a specific science. And I think leadership uh, is the same thing. 
You know, you have to constantly practice. You have to constantly hone that skill. And so for me, over the course of my career, it was kind of just coming to the realization that, hey, listen, um, okay, maybe you were a natural-born leader and you've been put in these positions and you've excelled um, as a leader, but you also are not the best leader out there. And I was making some mistakes in how I was dealing with some of the subordinates that I was uh, dealing with. And that's kind of, you know, what helped lead me to uh, Dr. Greenberg. And that's kind of how we met. Um, I was very fortunate to be given the opportunity to attend, um, you know, her course. And it was through that course that really kind of provided me some greater insight um, on developing those strategies and tactics to become a better leader. Well, you know, that's very kind of you to say that, Dustin, but when you, when you came to our class, you were, you were already 100% that top performer, and the fact that you had this innovative vision to create this paramedic embedded in the SWAT teams uh, was uh, a, a real eye-opener for a lot of people. And, and it wasn't easy for you. Um, y- there was a lot of pushback uh, about that and the cost of doing it and um, how it was going to get done. And you, um, you really showed the fortitude against a lot of odds and, and not only made that happen, but have brought that to fruition, not only in your organization, but many others have modeled that and uh, just kudos to you. So uh, appreciate the shout out, but this is, this is all you brother. I, I do, um, <laughs> well, you know, listen, it was, um, you know, that was definitely uh, a, a, a difficult uh, task, um, but you know, it was not without support and, um, and the help of, of obviously many others. Well, as usual, you're, you, as many others on this show, uh, have um, consistently been <laughs> a, humble, a humble leader and a humble servant. You know, w- one of the things that, that blew me away when we were talking about having you on the show um, was the story uh, that you shared about an incident that no one could have ever predicted in all of your training, in all of preparation, uh, through years of service and experience, I don't think any person in, in public safety um, could have ever imagined uh, what had happened to you, how it derailed, and how you managed back to left a bang. Can you share that story with, with our audience and, and don't don't reserve any details. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the fire service, right? Public safety, you know, police and fire. And we're in a really unique situation where, you know, when the call comes in, we have to respond. And the only amount of time that you have to prepare for that specific incident is the time that it takes you to get from where you're at to the call. And, you know, unlike, you know, a planned operation, 
you know, on SWAT, we have planned operations where we go out and, you know, we can check on the house. We get a layout of the house. You get to, you know, kind of role play and figure everything out before you actually run the operation. And it's so different than when somebody calls 911 and it's like, okay, you get in the truck and you respond. And, you know, our national response average, our average response time in, in our city, you know, is, is four to five minutes. So four to five minutes you have to really kind of think about, all right, you know, what do I need to do to, to, to make this call successful? And you try to prepare for it, right? You try your whole career. You train, you train, you train. Um, and this specific incident um, was a few years back. And we got a uh, 911 call for a plane crash. Um, we have a small airport in our city that is, um, I think it's considered either the busiest or one of the busiest uh, airports in the country because of the number of schools that, flight schools that operate out of it. And so on this particular day, it was, you know, um, I think it was mid-afternoon. Um, the flights were going on as they always are. Um, and this, this, uh, small airport is, you know, directly adjacent, um, to, you know, a, a residential community. And we get a call and it, the, the, the weather was, the weather was normal. It wasn't raining or anything else like that. And, uh, we get a call for the plane crash. So as we're, uh, arriving, um, I think I was the second due engine on the call. I was, this is back when I was a, a captain. Um, and, you know, we showed up and the small Cessna plane uh, was coming in for a landing. Um, it had come down a little too low on its approach and it struck a power line, which ended up, uh, making the plane nosedive and where it hit was right down on a residential road. And it just so happened, you know, to hit and land right on a car. Um, and it landed and it hit the, the back passenger side in which, uh, a, you know, four-year-old child was strapped in their car seat. Um, and, you know, I just remember arriving, the plane was on fire. Um, the occupants that were in the plane, I believe they perished. Uh, so you had our airport truck was putting the plane out. Um, you had wires down. So you had, you know, the... Uh, the safety aspect of, you know, live power lines that were now hanging. Of course, it's a residential area, so you have everybody's outside, so everybody's watching what you're doing. Um, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, you know, the mother who was driving the vehicle, she was perfectly fine. Um, she walked out unscathed, but had to sit there and watch us um, try to cut her son out of the car. And 
when I got to the car, um, there was uh, another great senior captain, um, two of them that were both starting to work uh, on trying to cut this car away to get this kid out. And, you know, I showed up and I was like, hey, you know, what do we got? What do you need? You know, let's get to work. Um, and you're sitting there face to face with him. Uh, and you're just trying to do the best that you can. And going back to training, you train so much, you try to prepare for, okay, well, if a car rolls on its side, okay, well, how are we going to attack? You know, how, what are the tactics that we're going to use to attack this if we got to get somebody out? If they flip upside down, okay, what are we going to do? Um, but you don't really train for what happens if a plane falls out of the sky and hits a vehicle at this angle and, and how are you going to, how are you going to manipulate that metal carnage from around somebody? Um, so we, we had some difficulties and we had some top notch, you know, people that I would go to battle with, so to say any day of the week, um, working on this. And, you know, it took us a few minutes, you know, ultimately we were successful, right. Um, took, a little bit longer than, than we would like, you know, for sure. And ultimately, you know, that child perished and, you know, there was, you know, there was very little, if any signs of life by the time that we arrived, because I mean, he took a direct impact on, on his side. Um, and of course, you know, all the questions go through your mind. You're like, man, you know, of course, you know, how's this mother feeling? with, you know, if she would have just held up two more seconds at the stop sign that was one block away, or if she was traveling, you know, 10 miles an hour faster or 10 miles an hour slower, um, this would have never happened, you know? So you start thinking about that and you just start thinking about, well, you know, what if I would have done this and what if I would have done that? And, you know, at the end of the day, when I sit there and I think back about it, um, and, and we did obviously the best that we could. And, and, you know, ultimately we were successful in, in completing our job, which was, you know, getting them cut out and, and, you know, uh, getting them to the hospital and, and getting them, you know, the care that we could get him at the time. Um, he ultimately perished. So you think back and you're like, wow, what, what could I have done better? And it's something that we always try, try to do on some of these, you know, major incidents like that. And, you know, the biggest takeaway for me um, at the end of the day is that there's no amount of training that is enough. And for us in public service and public safety, you know, we're the end-all be-all. And we have to be the experts at everything that we do um, because you can't be – really great at, you know, cutting somebody out of a car, but not so great at treating the medical aspect of things. You know, in South Florida, we're the one-stop shop. You call 911 for a heart attack, I'm coming. If you call because you crashed your vehicle, I'm coming. If you call because your house is on fire, I'm still the person that's coming. 
So there's so many aspects to our job. And I think that so many people get complacent, um, you know, through seniority, time on the job. You feel like, you know, maybe you know it all. And, you know, that's, that's my biggest takeaway is that you, you just cannot train enough because there's too many aspects to train for. Yeah, I tell you, Dustin, there's just so, much, so many things to go through on that story. And thank yeah. you for sharing it with us. Um, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate, obviously, in life. But, you know, thank, thank you know, God that there's uh, people like yourself that, uh, you know, have service to the community, to the nation, uh, to humanity that, uh, you know, are working every day, training every day, developing that right focus, right control. Um, learning your negative thoughts, you know, like you're talking about, like looking back and having those, you know, hard, you know, lessons learned conversations with your teammates. Um, and to, to see a, a well-oiled machine or a, a well, you know, a, a team that's working so well together, those are some of the key things that we like to pull out. And we, and I, I really enjoy hearing, um, you know, your thoughts on that as a, professional with so many years of experience. Um, it's, uh, you know, one thing I, I would like to share with the audience, um, especially those that aren't of service that don't see ugliness, um, you know, whether it's something that's so impactful to their life or just to who they are or who the, you know, impactful to a family member. Um, you, you, you sound like you're such a, a a squared away professional and you're, you're still a very positive voice. However, um, you've seen a lot of ugliness out there and, uh, sometimes you don't win every fight or win every, uh, you know, time that, uh, that you put your skills to the test. How do you, what are some, uh, just a couple of skills that you have learned to get over your negative thoughts after such an incident like that? Like you're saying, looking back, what could we have done better? Um, and then you start beating yourself up, like you know what? Uh, if I would have done this, or what if I would have done that? Those are those are negative thoughts. How do you get over that? Well, you know, I think um, I, I, one of the biggest things is just you know is talking with the crew, and you know, I, I think one of the best ways to get over it is you have to prepare yourself to get over those situations before they ever happen. Right. And, and again, it goes back to the training aspect, preparing yourself to say, Hey, listen, you know what? We came out here and we were as prepared as we could be. Right. We, we've, we've practiced these skills. We've, we've trained um, as much as we could. And, you know, like you said, you're not going to win every battle, but if I can go out there and know that, you know, I've put forth, knowingly put forth the effort, right? It does, um, it does help, uh, you know, more so than just going, man, I, I never, I never knew how to do that in the first place. So if I failed at it, then I'm going to beat myself up even more. Um, you know, the other thing is, is, is I think talking, you know, just talking it through with other people that were there and, you know, and for me, talking with other people in the industry, right? Um, people that may have had similar experiences that, you know, they can pull from and, and 
you know, kind of give you some guidance on it is, is always kind of been the way that I've dealt with kind of getting through some of those negative thoughts. But I think the biggest thing is preparing yourself for that failure, right? Because you're going to have it. There's, there's nobody that goes through a career that, that, that doesn't experience failure at some point. Well, Dustin, we're going to uh, hold on that thought right there because that, that's a, a, a key element of recovery is, is understanding sometimes the faster we fail, the easier it is for us to recognize what we need to do to get better, to improve, to become resilient. And many of us are afraid of that failure. So let's pause on that. We're going to go to a quick break. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, MagnusWorks.com, National Command and Staff College, and, of course, TACOPS.com. So remember, go to NationalCommandAndStaffCollege.org, pick up all your free webinars that we've been doing this year, and please sign up and come visit us at TACOPS.com. We will be in D.C. in September, and we look forward to seeing you. We'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Results will always favor the peak performer. MagnusWorks is a cutting-edge mobile app to help you and your team build peak performance across 11 critical well-being domains to go from great to Magnus. MagnusWorks balances individuals with real-time tailor-made check-ins with pulse vibes to increase mental, physical, and emotional well-being. It spans every aspect of your daily life. Get started now. Inspire, educate, impact, and transcend. MagnusWorks.com. That's Magnus, W-O-R-X, dot com. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Welcome back to Strategies for Turbulent Times. Have a question for Dr. Cat or Captain Matt? Join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, back to the show. 
Well, welcome back to our last segment of Strategies for Turbulent Times. And we've been having an amazing conversation with Dustin Conkle, 19-year veteran, firefighter, paramedic, turned visionary leader. Um, We are so grateful for you and what you do and the men and women um, that you serve with and, and you train and you are such a humanitarian, and you are one of our emotional intelligence, uh, I want to say, fans. Um, you understand the importance, uh, as we say, of being left of bang and understanding self before others, and it allows you to be the best version of you when you show up ready um, with an aligned mind to get this very difficult, very difficult job done, Dustin. So I just want to make sure that our audience hears the love we have for you and for them um, as they work hand-in-hand with you uh, in this brotherhood and sisterhood of, of public safety. Thank you. I appreciate it. So what are you going to do? When, what's your next chapter look like with all your skills and all your experiences? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. I, I think about that. Um, I still have a few years left, um, you know, in this <laughs> career. And, and, you know, this career has been amazing. Um, and I don't know, we'll see, you know, we'll see. I, I, you know, like most firemen, I always have, uh, lots of things going on on the side. Um, and you know, some of those things might be able to set me up to do, uh, you know, some fun things when I'm retired, but, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, right now my concentration, you know, because, you know, I still have a good, at least 10 years left, um, and, and right now the concentration is, is just working, uh, with the men and women that I work with on a regular basis and trying to just help develop them, get them better, um, and, and bring them up to the expectations of, you know, what, what our department holds. Um, I love our department. Uh, we've had such a very successful, um, history in our department with the men and women that have come through it. Um, it, When you look around and you see um, all the other departments in the area, if you look at their administrative staffs, it's riddled with our former employees who have retired and then moved on. Right. So um, we have, we've had such a great number of people come through um, and be yeah, very successful. And uh, so, you know, that's what I'm just looking to try to do is just continue to make more of those people leaders um, and, and bring them up to those expectations that we hold, you know, for us. Well, we're getting towards the end of the show. And I think Matthew had some, as we like to say, summary comments, regarding some of the things you mentioned that resonate with his acronym in climate. I didn't know if you wanted to share a couple of those, Matthew, before we go to close. Well, I think the most important out of uh, that we started off with is that for the audience, if you aren't close to a uh, professional paramedic like Dustin here, you might want to find one. As Kathy was fortunate to have him in the class as she started this uh, hour-long conversation with. Um, but, yeah, uh, some of the things that actually not some of them, but most of the things that Dustin had shared with us is about his experiences and his views on uh, whether it's leadership, mentorship, uh, family environment, as far as teamwork, uh, 
expectation management. Um, you know, the, the acronym of fearless and then the acronym of climate. One, how to become a fearless leader looking back um, after my 25 years of career and just, you know, what are the lessons learned with the emotional intelligence tools that I've learned. Um, but fearless, you know, doesn't hit on the fail to succeed, which is the F. Um, you know, the, the reality of in order to be successful, you know, in your future, you got to understand what failure is, um, you know, is it truly failure? And then how do you learn from that uh, failure or that battle that you lost? And recover. And recover. Absolutely. You know, the, uh, the alignment of goals and beliefs, which is the A of fearless, um, you know, that family uh, environment, you have the same goals and beliefs, you have the same you know, ethos, you have the same thought process um, as far as the teamwork, the team ability, and to be of service to humanity and to the community is critical to be, uh, to be truly fearless. You know that you can go into that unknown circumstance like Dustin shared with us with the, uh, the aircraft, you know, not only hitting a power line, but now it struck a vehicle um, and just the unknown but going into the right focus, right control, which is the R fearless, um, how do you get that? How do you how do you get there as a as a true professional? Um, without a doubt, and this is shared many times throughout our conversations and our coaching um, times, is that to get that right focus, right control, and have it when the unknown comes, it's the train, 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 train. Now, what do you train towards? That's when you have the good mentors out there, the good leaders out there. Like Dustin. Like Dustin. That's going to help you see, are you training the right way? It's almost like a physical activity. You know, a lot of, you know, people, they work out. If you want to get bigger thighs or bigger quads or stronger quads, you're not going to do bicep curls. You know, as simple as that. But, you know, when you're in an occupation, it comes down to those leaders and mentors. Now we'll go into the climate acronym, you know, the consistency as Dustin talked about. Uh, the C for climate. If you want to have a good climate inside the organization or your team, it's that consistency of communication, uh, whether it's verbal, nonverbal. The integrity he hit on, mentorship, and then the teamwork and expectation management. So I really enjoyed this conversation. Though. Yeah, let me also give a shout out to uh, anybody who wants to join us on August the 18th virtually. You are welcome to join us or in person. We're going to be doing a fearless climate program out at the Kalispell. Sheriff's Department, uh, if you go to nationalcommandcollege.org, you'll see a link there for the August 18th Fearless Climate Program. Come have fun with us. I think it's really about 200 bucks, And you get the Magnus Works platform app as part of your program tuition. So come have fun with us and learn. And uh, Dustin, we like to close the show on an upbeat. I think Matthew has a special special question just for you. (laughs) (laughs) No, so Dustin, you know, being a, uh, you know, an operator myself and, you know, being through, uh, you know, all the different environments throughout the globe, whether it's wet, dry, cold, hot, um, you know, it's all too important, just like yourself and your occupation to have a good pair of socks. What's your favorite pair of socks that, uh, (laughs) that's going to save your dogs. Um, and also that, that you just learn is the best, uh, quality product. Oh man, my favorite <laughs> pair of socks. Well, you know what? Uh, you know, I, everything I do is down here in South Florida. So, um, you know, a good moisture wicking, 
you know, pair of socks uh, to keep the, the, the sweat away from your feet and keep them dry. You know, my go-to is always Under Armour. Oh, I didn't hear that's what, Under Armour. Yeah, Under Armour makes them. Oh, yeah. yeah. I wear Under Armour socks. Hmm. Very cool. <laughs> Matthew that's obviously cool. doesn't do my laundry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, I tell you what, if you haven't had a pair of cashmere socks, you know, and I know you're not retired yet, but uh, after I retired, I actually cat got me a pair, and I was like, wow, these are, I mean, obviously they're not moisture wicking and all that that you need for the, the job, <laughs> um, but uh, try yeah. a pair on sometime. Well, I'm we have really enjoyed I'll, I'll take you up on it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That Matthew's going to be buying cashmere socks for all of our guests, and we're going to be broke because he's thinking we're not. <laughs> <laughs> so we, just, we really want to. I want to thank you, Dustin, for spending this hour with us and our amazing audience, guys and gals out there who have become our fans over the last, I think it's eight, 13, uh, we're coming up on 13 weeks, August uh, 18th. So I just want to tell y'all, we love you. Thank you for coming back week after week. Our on-demand programs are skyrocketing. You guys are passing us around to your friends, your buddies, your colleagues, the people that you think need to hear from us. And we are so grateful. Keep the love coming, and we'll keep loving on you as well. Come back next week. We'll talk some more. This is Strategies for Turbulent Times. I'm Kat. And I'm Matt. <laughs> I'm glad you know who you are. You all have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. We love you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Strategies for Turbulent Times. We hope Dr. Cat and Captain Matt were able to help you create a plan or simply steer clear of the unknown with ways to overcome challenges in your own life. Until next time, be brilliant and stay fearless. Fearless.